This extended interview is being published alongside a podcast on gender-affirming care for kids, which you can hear by visiting our website at hearmenowpodcast.org. You will also find there a directory of additional extended interviews on trans-related healthcare issues. Up next, Sam Pelger, a 19-year-old trans man, talks about his transition with his mother, Erin. This conversation is being archived at the National Folklife Center at the Library of Congress as part of the Hear Me Now Oral History Project, the largest collection of healthcare narratives in the country. Hi, <laughs> I guess I'll introduce myself first. Um, my name is Sam Pelger. I am 19, almost 20. Um, I live in New York City um, in Morningside Heights. I am a musician, an artist, and I work as a server at a restaurant at the moment. And my pronouns are he, him. And um, I'm Erin Pugger. I'm Sam's mom. Um, my pronouns are she, her. And um, I'm in Missoula, Montana, where I um, work as a realtor and I have um, four kids. Sam is the eldest of my four children. Sam, you want to tell right. a little bit about your story? <laughs> it's nice to, nice to talk to you, Mom. Yeah. Um, <laughs> nice to see you. Where to begin? I mean, yeah. I, I feel like I always ki kind of was a little bit of a weird kid. Not weird in a bad way, just weird in a... I mean, I'm sure you can agree with this. I was always a little bit hard from the start very stubborn and like set in anything that I wanted to do and I don't know I just felt always a little bit distant from like like what I was assigned at birth I guess what I, I didn't feel in a gender way because as a kid that doesn't exist you don't know what that is you're born into just whoever you are in the body that you inhabit and like I just felt very different from that like I just was living as like Sam like no shirt at the swimming pool kind of kid like cry if you put me in a bikini like you know I'm sure you can speak on that too yeah, yeah I guess when you were little um interestingly your name at birth was Samantha but we always called you Sam and um, strangely, just from the get-go, since we didn't know if you were going to be a girl or a boy at birth, we hadn't found out, all the clothes you wore were green <laughs> because people gave us gifts and, and didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> so it was kind of, you, you started out kind of a gender-neutral yeah. child, um, just not by design, just happened that way. And having a name like Sam, which we always called you, um, you kind of inhabited a space in between things. And um, like you said, yeah. at the pool, you always wore board shorts, no shirt. You, you know, you had sort of an androgynous appearance from a very young age. And as the minute you could choose your own clothes. Which you let me do you, completely. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Because why not? Um, and I mean, there yeah, was no the time you could. 
I know there was no question. Yeah. So you definitely dressed and yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Oh no, no worries. There we go. I hate looking at myself anyway. <laughs> Um, anyway, what were you saying? Sorry. <laughs> I don't know that you were, That's that you good. existed kind of in the space between things like gender wasn't, um, front and center in your childhood. You just were Sam and, um, I don't know. Yeah. You just had sort of a, yeah, in a way, I do. like a gen genderlessness about you from a young age. Yeah. Yeah, I think when I, when I was really little, that's how I felt because I was completely, you know, kids don't know anything. They're not aware of like the feelings that they're feeling and like what made them feel that way. But I was always very anxious. I remember just always was like the shyest kid at school there was like a certain point where I just like, you'd get, I would remember I got a bad haircut once, like I got a bowl cut and I wore like a, a hat and a hoodie to school every single day and like didn't talk to anybody. I was just so shy and nervous that like anybody would say anything to me or like call my name in class. Um, but I just like completely, shut down a little bit and was feeling very anxious and I just didn't know why. And like looking back on that now, I think it was cause I just didn't really fit in with like the girls or the boys. It was kind of just like Sam and people were always like maybe a little bit, maybe not confused, but just like, oh yeah, that's just Sam. But as I got a little bit older, and it started like, you know, really it hit me like puberty, like middle school. I shifted from having all boyfriends, wearing boys underwear, like to only having girlfriends, only, you know, trying to fit into that weirdness, like super awkward stage, like long hair, braces, like, and it just felt so strange. It was never me at all but I just felt like that was what I should do because lo and behold, we we're all having our periods and like liking boys and this and that. And it just felt like this strange facade of like coming out of being so androgynous and like just being whoever I was. And then it just kind of shifted to this like false femininity that was pushed on me by my peers you know it was always like sam why don't we give you a makeover like i was kind of always the not to be hard on myself but i was like the ugly funny friend like everybody thought i was funny which was great um after i came out of my shyness you know and kind of became this in intensely quirky weird person um that i kind of am now like with help from like teachers i remember like ms shuck I don't know if I can say her name, but she was great in my fourth and fifth grade. That was kind of when I was like coming to terms with this the hardest. Not that I knew really what it was, but I just remember being in sex ed and being like, what am I? Why am I not with the boys? Why am I here? Like, why am I learning these things? Like, this isn't going to happen to me, surely. 
and I was so stressed. I remember you got, probably got a call from that teacher and was like, Sam, yeah. just like, I broke out crying. I remember that yeah. very vividly. Yeah, she called me during the lunch break when they had been yeah. you were doing, doing sex ed. And she said, just wanted to let you know that Sam seems to have been having a hard time. Sorry. Um, sorry about that. Uh, Sam's having a hard time um, and broke into tears in the middle of sex ed today and um, and it, and didn't really know why and just wanted to help me be aware. And I tried to talk with you after school, but you were very, very private. There was not mm -hmm. um, sort of a way in, uh, but clearly it was upsetting to you. And it wasn't until years later that I realized like, oh, no wonder that was so upsetting to Sam um, because there probably was a sense for you that you did not fit in these categories that you were and, supposed to be in. And at that time, like there was no talk at all of, it was kind of weird like being the age that I am because it's half of my life is set in the ways of like, early 90s sex education and things like that and like health classes and like discussing there was no such thing as discussing trans queer topics um queer sex like how to have safe queer sex there was nothing like that it was like very old school you know like textbook um, which is wrong really very wrong and like i'm not even sure that that's changed but i remember like growing older and being in high school, it changed a little bit, but I was always, always, always advocating for myself and advocating for that change, but didn't really know how to, because I was so scared being like really one of the only queer kids that I knew, like in my immediate circle or like at the school, it's pretty few and far between like growing up in Montana. Um, but I think, yeah. I very vividly remember like just being always slightly uncomfortable. And for me, it felt like I was like acting in a role of being a girl. Like it never really was quite there. Um, and I was just kind of like feeding off of what other people around me were doing and like it's a little bit like I was like a sociopath, like trying to figure out human emotions but I was just trying to figure out how to be a girl and doing really bad at it because I was not. And I was like, just that was not who I was. Like, but I was friends with all these girls and loved them and like wanted to talk to them. And I still am friends with mostly women because I feel so comfortable being that way. And I think I express myself in a pretty feminine way now, just from growing up you know, being put into that box of being a, a girl. And I don't like completely, I think that a lot of trans people, not saying that this is wrong in any way because there's no right way to be trans or express your feelings, but I was just, I don't completely disconnect myself from that. Like there was a point where I presented as a girl, not that I was one, but that's a very important part of my life is like, you know, I went through girlhood and like I had hard times, like, you know, like I experienced sexism and in those ways and like had 
the very kind of a little bit like typical like mom and daughter relationship of like talking about like getting your period for the first time or getting your like first care package with a tampon or whatever but it was just like really hard for me because I felt so uncomfortable so I completely shut you out like as a mom and I could just, I think I just took it out on you more than anybody because mm-hmm. I think that's just what you do when you're a little kid I'm not sure I'm I think that's kind of what a lot of girls go through but I was also going through 10 times more being very confused um yeah the big issue yeah. I remember was every time we went on a vacation or something and then, and you'd have to have a bathing suit yeah. to go to the beach or something. That just was such a trigger for you. And it was so challenging to try and find the right clothes for you. And, you know, it couldn't be too girly. It couldn't be too tight. It couldn't be. It just required an incredible amount of patience helping you find something that you could be comfortable in. And there was a lot of tears and uh, just sensitivity about how things fit and how things felt on you. And, you know, now, of course, looking back, I can look at that and see, well, of course, nothing felt right because it was, it was the wrong thing. You know, now it makes sense, but Maybe we should talk a little bit yeah, about um, definitely like when you started feeling like sort of the trajectory of your coming to terms with your gender identity and the the mm-hmm. path that 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 followed for you. It seems like from, yeah, from I what I recall, a lot of it, like honestly, when you went like, to high school again. Yeah, definitely. I mean, high school is awful. <laughs> that's like, if you if I've ever met anybody that's enjoyed high school, I simply cannot trust them as a person. I'm like, this is not okay. I don't know who you are. Like, it is just a terrible place for everybody. I can't imagine having a good time in high school, like, let alone being like a queer kid in Montana. Although we did live in a pretty like liberal, you know, very liberal area, college town. Um, but still there was a lot of weirdness about it. But I, I think that a lot of it started like with the internet and I'm very lucky to have the internet for that because a lot of kids don't have that, you know, like pre-internet, there was no real way to um, verify the emotions that you were having until you met another person that was queer or had a queer elder affirming your feelings. Um, And I think that that for me was YouTube, weirdly. I don't know if I've ever really talked to you about this, but I just would like sit in my room and watch hours and hours of YouTubers that were, you know, just doing whatever they're doing, like what cooking or whatever, but they were gay or they were trans. And then it's like slowly, like, I always kind of gravitated towards liking women. Not that that has anything to do with my gender, but it just like, I immediately was like, okay, great, I'm a lesbian. So like push it to that, which of course was not the case. And then that, once I moved from like being really into that, I it was like, oh, videos about starting hormones. And I was like, okay, what's this, you know? And then it's just all these videos, very educational videos of people just 
vlogging, going through their day-to-day life, but they're getting a shot up their ass. Like, <laughs> um, and so I was super interested by that and just watched a plethora of videos about this and like top surgery videos, which was shocking to me. I remember seeing like my first video of somebody, you know, vlogging their whole experience going through top surgery. And this is like a person who was like probably in their thirties at the time. Um, and so I was just like, so affirmed by that. I was like, wow, this, and I was too scared to admit it out loud or even to myself, but I was like, this is what I want. This is what I need more than anything. This is what I need. This is what I've always wanted. And I was just so shocked to find that out because I was like my whole life, this is what I wanted somebody to say I could do. And this person is doing it. Um, but I was just so scared. So I just completely repressed it. But then I think it came to a certain point where as most things do, if you're repressing them and putting them into a box, like deep down, it just exploded. Um, and that like, I remember during that time, like kind of destroyed our relationship almost. It was like really, really hard. Yeah. Um, you, as I recall, um, we're just having yeah. a lot of anxiety and we're increasingly unhappy. This was probably sophomore year of high school. And, you know, you had come out as gay and we were yeah. like, great, okay. And sort of seemed like that was going to be the answer. Without a, you guys didn't of, blink your eye. No, I, I knew yeah. it was like, okay, that's great. Congratulations. You know, like, let's move on. It just didn't even, didn't even uh, register with me as something to worry about. Um, but then that didn't seem to answer your mm-hmm. problems. You seem to have a lot of anxiety still. And, and so we got you in counseling, which you weren't too excited about, but it just felt like you really needed some support. And what I recall is that um, uh, the counselor called me one day and said, um, Sam had something that he wanted to talk to me about and that you you had determined that you were that you struggled from gender dysphoria and I mean I knew a little bit about what that meant but I had a lot to learn mm-hmm. um, and you know of course it was initially quite scary like um, okay what does this mean like I need to educate myself on all of this and you know um, and there was just so much to to learn and uh but I was also wanting you to to feel better. And um, I knew that you ex- seemed to experience a lot of relief just getting that out in the open. Um, and then the first thing and the first conversation we had about that, you said, I just don't want to have my period anymore. I need to stop having my period. And I said, OK, I think we need to look into what we need need to do to make that happen and make an appointment with our pediatrician to get the ball rolling. And um, your dad and I were 100% supportive of whatever you needed, um, which, you know, doesn't 
it, it was very complicated though because it's scary like there's you know here we are in a place where there you know is not a tremendous amount of care available for trans teens uh, it certainly has improved tremendously since that time but um so this was when you were about 15 i think um 15 going on 16 mm-hmm. and uh I just fi- just turned 15 or yeah <clears throat> yeah so anyway that just began the whole journey of navigating the healthcare system um which was a lot as a yeah. parent advocating for you um, to try and help uh, put together a team of people that can could support you. That was, for me, the most challenging part um, to get that put together and to have it be people that you would feel comfortable with. And um, that was really hard. I know, like, yeah, initially we, we went, decided yeah. maybe the thing to do, yeah, yeah, we had decided, like, hormone blockers would be the place to start just because I was so young, we didn't really, I, I didn't quite 100% stand what was happening still, and was, well, maybe I did, and I just was scared to tell you, and so we went to, like, the doctor, the pediatrician I had been seeing my whole life, or most of my life, and I just remember feeling so uncomfortable with her not because she was a bad doctor or anything. I was just like, this seems too weird. This is like, this person is a family friend almost. Like we see her at uh, school events and, and things like that. Like she's part of the neighborhood. And I was like, I just don't know if I can do that. It felt too vulnerable. Um, and I think we then switched to somebody else. This was, I had gotten, probably two rounds, it was at every three months, I'd get a a shot, like a needle about, I mean, God, like the size of my hand. Yeah, you remember that needle, it was insane, right through my leg, which was supposed to, yeah, which in turn stopped my periods, which was thrilling, but I got intense side effects. That was kind of the start of the struggle of finding things that worked for me. I mean, I was, not only in high school, not a great student, but trying pretty hard. I tried, I tried, okay, I tried a little bit, but you know, in tough classes, like dealing with relationships at a young age and dealing with like having lots of friends, friend groups and you know, just like normal high school things, but then also literally going through menopause. I'm talking uh, hot sweats probably 10 times a day Um, intense nausea at night, in the morning, loss of appetite, feeling extremely depressed, which I had no idea had to do with that, but I'm sure that it did. I was just extremely sensitive to this thing. And so it came to the point where I was like, I I literally cannot do this anymore. I was having such a hard time at school because I was, mostly it was the hot sweats, which was weird. It was like, I was like a 15 year old going through menopause and all my friends were like, uh, yeah, Sam, we don't really know how to help you. Like what's happening to you? And I was like, I don't really know, but I don't like it. I don't know how long I can do this for. And people were like, you know, I told some close friends and they were very cool with it and whatever. And people didn't really ask a lot of questions about it. 
um, because it was not like as big of a deal as like say going on like HRT like testosterone. Um, that was pretty terrible. And then continuing to go to that therapist, I remember the next thing that I said was, I want top surgery. And that was like a huge thing for me to admit and like say, um, because then I had transitioned from watching like 30 year olds having top surgery to like kids my age. And I was like, okay, so this is something that I can do. And it came to the point where I was so depressed and uncomfortable in my body. Like, I just didn't know if I could do it anymore, to be very honest. I was like, it just the, the metaphorical weight of it on my chest, that was the, the hardest thing for me. I remember, and I don't know really, I think it always had been that way, but it just like, kind of the second, you know, it's like I got the taste of the idea that that could happen for me, and then I couldn't stop thinking about it. I thought about it every second of the day, every t-shirt I put on, every time I got out of the shower, every time I looked in the mirror, anytime someone gave me a hug, I was like, I just could not stop thinking about it. And I gave me this like rush of adrenaline in my stomach because deep down I knew that this was probably possible for me because you guys had always been supportive. Um, and so I remember I, we were like in the car driving from some, I don't know, driving home from somewhere and we were like very close to home. And I kind of brought up that's may maybe what I wanted or what I needed. And off the bat, and this is not a jab at you at all, but you pretty much were like, no. <laughs> just because yeah. you were like, maybe when I you're think, 18, but no. Yeah, I mean, it just seemed like, um, I mean, you had started testosterone at this point, and we just hadn't heard yeah. of teenagers. On a very, very small dose. Having, yeah, but we hadn't really heard of teenagers having top surgery. It seemed like such a big big, huge, permanent step. And, you know, it was like, it, you know, just sort of my protective instinct was like, I don't know if we're ready for that, you know, and then sort of the more we thought about it, and the more we researched it, and the more I s talked with you and sort of observed you, it was clear, like, that was really well, the more that I that the more that needed. I gave it to you I yeah yeah I was pretty pissed <laughs> I remember being well just yeah. you know I remember you saying well we're not sure if we're ready for this and I was like I need this and I kind of put my finger down and I was like I remember saying to you like I don't want to be a fucking statistic of someone that is dead which was so like a little bit too much and completely overdramatic I'm sure but also that's what I was feeling. And I think then at that point you were like, okay, yeah. Like this yeah, is so interestingly, obviously something that is like gonna be persistent. I'm not giving up. Yeah, interestingly in, in Missoula, right at that time, it was sort of destined to be because there was a new plastic surgeon who had just moved to town, who it turns out had 
done a lot of gender affirming surgery during her residency in Wisconsin. And um, mm -hmm. so I thought, well, let's just make an appointment for just to talk to her about it. And, and we met her and were so impressed by her. She was so incredibly gender affirming. And our experience with medical providers to that point was that people were supportive and um, maybe not didn't have a tremendous amount of knowledge necessarily because they maybe hadn't had that much experience helping teenagers or even adults with um, medical transition, but they were definitely supportive, but they didn't have like a comfort level using the correct pronouns and just, they seemed yeah. a little bit like they were walking on eggshells in their approach. And then by, in contrast, this particular Definitely. doctor, the plastic surgeon just was 100% comfortable and um, just like in a way that was so uh, affirming and, and comforting and it was like um, almost scary. It was amazing um, for me as a as a mom to see that that was possible, um, and I was just so impressed by her. And she just described what she would do and how it would work, and and you know we talked a lot about it and thought a lot about it, and amazingly got ins insurance approval because we had done everything correct. I think people under, are under the impression that it's really easy to get this kind of stuff done for kids. Like you just make an appointment and then suddenly your kid has top surgery. That's not at all the case. This was years of, you know, counseling and um, diagnosis of gender dysphoria and, you know, um, multiple medical visits with you know, countless doctors. And I mean, it was just like this incredibly long checklist of making sure you're doing everything right. Yeah. And that you're really, you know, like you're not rushing into things. This is a very long, um, painstaking process that a parent goes through with their child. Um, it is not something that is ever taken lightly by medical professionals or by parents this is a really really big deal and i think know? a lot of that was yeah but a lot of that was like required you know i was yeah, it required was... to almost prove that i was trans like oh well we don't really believe you so have have your therapist sign off on this that you've been seeing for over a year oh well we're not really sure if we you know that's kind of i was like yeah well what the hell do you want me to do it was yeah. like i'm just a i just want to i want this to happen you know yeah and i think that it's I, so disheartening to know that that is like it is disheartening yeah. but you know when you're dealing with somebody who is you know growing and changing so much in their teenage years like and you want to make sure you're doing the right thing. I think it is it is wise to have, you know, um, 
the support of a counselor in helping to identify and understand what you're going through and and you know as a parent trying to I, figure out what's right to do i mean not to question the authenticity of what you're you're saying or what your experience is but just to help process all of it because it's a lot i agree with that and i think that but also we're extremely lucky we are very lucky i'm i'm so like i forget it sometimes you know a lot of kids don't get this experience a lot of kids don't have access to therapy a lot of kids don't have supportive parents or parents at all that want to listen to them you know a lot of kids will just suffer or not until they are finally allowed this thing you know so i'm so lucky to have this have that experience which was at the time i was so wrapped up in my own thoughts that i didn't really even consider how big of a deal it was and i think that a lot of people other like trans people were like wow like you're you know very jealous kind of because and i didn't really think about it like i I hate to say it over and over, but I was pretty, pretty lucky. Um, yeah. And a lot of kids don't get that experience. So, but I think it's, I think it's important, but also even if you don't have a therapist to sign you off on that, like the chances of you being a, like legitimate and this is something that you want, it's really up to you. You know, this is like, that's why it's so hard being a teenager and having to go through this because you need other people in order to get to that point that will confirm that. You can't obviously just walk in and say, all right, hi, give me the top surgery. Mm-hmm. But in my ideal world, like, you know, I think that would that would save a lot of lives. I think that's a little bit radical, but I don't think that it's too much to ask for. People are, you know, People need these resources, and I think it's so disheartening that all of them are being questioned right now in the world. But anyways, back to my (laughs) top surgery. Yeah, um, the doctor that we went to was fantastic. I mean, really could not have had a better experience. I think it was hard a little bit for me because I was so shocked because she was the first person that really affirmed my gender. And it kind of scared me because I thought to myself like, oh, well, it's too late to turn around now. Like, not that I wanted to, but I was like, all right, this is, this is it. Like, here we go, you know? Mm-hmm. And she like listened and just didn't even, you know, bat an eye. She was just like, all right, great. Okay, here we go. Um, which was really cool. Especially yeah, for she being is, so young. She's remarkable. Yeah. And that was a real game changer. That knowing that you were so sure about this, that you were willing to undergo a major surgery. Um yes. just really like Which I hadn't helped. even gotten my wisdom teeth out. <laughs> Yeah, it just was, uh, it just showed me like there was no turning back 
and not that I wanted to turn back necessarily, but, um, you know, it wasn't really until the moment you woke up from that surgery that I was 100% with you. And it's not to say I wasn't supportive before because I was, but there's always like an element of, you know, mourning a little bit the loss of my daughter too, you know, as a mom. Um, and, you know, even though there was tension and difficulty and teen angst and all of the things that you were dealing with, you were still, we were still very close. And um, it was really at that moment where I really let go of, of Sam, my daughter, and really started to embrace Sam, my son. Um, that was a, a real turning point. Because that exact not moment. like you lost a really sad, really depressed, really <laughs> unhappy person. And you gained, I mean, waking up from that surgery, I, I've always been kind of a little bit of a pessimist and not really, you know, super thrilled about anything, but I, and I was like, oh, I'm not going to cry, you know, whatever. This is so whatever. I'm like, oh, whatever. But then I remember waking up and just being like, wow, like you and dad and my partner at the time walking into that room, I just immediately broke out in tears because I had never felt happier, you know? Yeah. I think that, I mean, having top surgery completely changed me as a person. And I am so thankful for that every single day. You know, now I'm thrilled when yeah. I get out of the shower. Now I'm thrilled when I put on a t-shirt. You know, I can be exactly who I want to be. And like, my results are outstanding. I'm, I've never felt closer to my body and having, you know, just feeling so much happier. I think after that point, I just yeah. felt so much better and could be more me. And I think sure. that started to turn around our relationship as well. Like, just the fact that you did all of that for me. Not not for, not for me, but just like you were there with me. Yeah. You know, is something that yeah. I will always, always, always cherish with you. Like, that is huge. <laughs> Makes me and I'm glad that bit. you were able to... Uh, but, I'm glad that you were able to to have that major surgery when you were still at home and you were still able to have, you know, me there to take mm. care of you. And, you know, if you had yeah. been across the country or something like that, or, you know, it's just important to be able to do that kind of thing when you have the support around you, um, to provide the care afterwards and yeah and it just also like propelled you forward I think when you were you know 17 18 you were so much further along in your journey um and you know now at almost 20 I think it's amazing how far you've come um in such a short amount of time. And I think that that top surgery really played a role in that for you. Oh, I think that, uh, yeah, I think that I like to think that 
I am not who I am because I am trans, but that if I didn't go through those things, you know, that I would not be who I am. Like, I am kind of a type of person that doesn't talk about it a lot, but when I do, it's kind of big to me, you know, because I'm letting people know this, like, very personal part of my life, and that is who I am, and I think that I would be a very, very different person. I learned so much, and I continue to learn a lot, but I definitely feel very old for a 20-year-old, you know? <laughs> um, it made me grow up real, real fast, and I'm, I'm very lucky about that because now I can be a kinder, more compassionate person that can, like, you know, hear people more, and it was hard, you know? I remember, like, to bring it back to the care aspect of this podcast, like, before and after the surgery, there were a couple nurses that I remember you kind of flipped your lid on. Um, our surgeon was outstanding, but I think there was a lot of ignorance and not coming from a bad place, because I don't believe that ignorance really does come from a bad place. I think it was just people that were uneducated, you know. Yeah, and there like was one particular nurse who just for example. misgendered you right after you, when you woke up from the surgery. And it was like, this is supposed to be the happiest moment yeah. for you. And that woman kept calling you she or her. And I finally had to pull her aside and, you know, give her a piece of my mind. Um, and she... She felt terrible. She had no yeah. intention of, of, of being that way. Um, mm -hmm. I think, you know, but there was just no, she didn't have experience, you know. Um, so that was pretty yeah. hard. And I think that with a little bit of work, with a little bit of work, which you are doing on that council for healthcare um, on the West Coast, like, that can change. It's not hard to learn these things. You just have to give yourself a little bit of leeway to learn, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, if I could learn it when I was 14 and 15, you can too. It's very, very simple. And just having, you know, I've heard of a lot of um, medical centers just providing a brief, like, you know, class on or a lecture on trans healthcare, um, and more importantly, trans healthcare for youth, that can change everything, I think. And I think that's yeah. something that is something that I would, you know, want to pursue as well. Just being able to educate people. It's not a lot too, you know, it's really not a lot. Just that little push and then people start asking questions, people can start learning, people can start meeting different people, you know, meeting trans people, learn, hearing their experiences, like listening to this. It, it will change everything. I think that can happen, I don't wanna say quickly, but I think that, you know, I'm hopeful even with all the pushback, especially this year, that there's a lot of good people doing a lot of good things and I'm hopeful that that can, that can change because Although my experience was fairly smooth, I want 
the experience of other kids and other people to be perfect. <laughs> Not that anything is perfect, but I just, I hope that, you know, I really do because that can change somebody's whole life. And I think that's really, really important. Yeah. I love you, Sam. I love you too. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> I'll call you later. Okay. <laughs> Do you have anything else to say? Um, just that your dad and I are so proud of you and the person you're becoming. Oh, thank yeah. you. I hope we're making somebody cry. <laughs> <Just kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs>